0: Hello and welcome to the James Sheets podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: to the book of Judges. We're going to see the Bibles, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. The person of Samson. A portion of it we'll read, but a lot of it I simply will tell you about and show you where it is so that you can follow through about uh, four chapters of the book of Judges dealing with this person that we have come to know as Samson. There's some interesting things in this man's life, he's quite a character. Matthew is very gentle on some occasions, but very rough and rugged on others. Uh, we think of him in his uh, pulling down the temple around all the philistines, the man of war that he was. But uh, let's let's get in the 13th chapter. book of the Old Testament, if you have a little trouble finding it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the seventh book, Joshua, Judges, beginning in the 13th chapter. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. How many times All through the Old Testament, we find those words that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And there was always a consequence when that happens, and here it is in this particular incident. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines 40 years. That was their punishment for being evil as they were. 40 years, they were under the the rule of the Philistines. Verse 2, and there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, a, Dan, a man from Dan, that is, a, uh, of that tribe, whose name was Manoah. you probably never heard of his name or thought about it before, but it's interesting that uh, there's something about this man I want us to see. And his wife was barren. Again, how many times do we find women in the Old Testament who could not have children? And the Lord then responded, And they brought in uh, to the world some baby who became such a dynamic person in the history of the Hebrew people. And so we find it about to happen again. Verse 3. The angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. Just in passing, There's a lot of uh, things placed upon women who are pregnant that they should or should not do in order to protect the baby. And notice in this one that they were certainly not to drink any intoxicating drinks or to eat anything that was was unclean for the protection of the baby. Verse 5, For thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Now we see the purpose for bringing this baby into the world, that he is going to grow up and be the person that will start the delivery of Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. He is to be a Nazarite. I don't know if you know what a Nazarite is, and also let's pause a moment. A Nazarite was any person who took a vow to serve God for some particular period of time, maybe for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days. There are a record of three people in the Bible who were Nazarites from birth, and here is one of them who is to be Samson. Samuel was another, and John the Baptist was the third. The only one in the New Testament who was a Nazarite who were, was brought into the world under that vow to serve God his entire lifetime, when they had taken a vow voluntarily, or in this case, three people who had been ordained of God to uh, to be a Nazarite, there were certain things that they did not do. One of them was they had, they did not drink any kind of alcoholic beverage, no strong drink whatever. They denied any personal satisfactions and privileges. They They were in no way would they indulge in any self-gratification of any sort. We would put that aside. They did not cut their hair, indicating that they had given complete devotion to God. That is, all of the power in their entire being, and particularly in their mind, was turned over to God. This was the symbol long hair. Long hair meant devotion to God amongst the men. Boy, if that were a requirement today, wouldn't we have a lot of skinheads in a hurry? That's what it meant in those days. Today, it almost, maybe not quite, but almost symbolizes the the very opposite uh, in in so so many different ways. That's not certainly... uh, a discredit to anybody who decides to wear their hair in that, in that fashion. But in that day, the, the hair, long hair, never, never cut in all their lifetime, indicated that, or at least during the vow, indicated that they were devoted to God completely. They did not touch dead bodies, nor were not around dead bodies at all, because they would have become defiled. So here is a person who is being born for the expressed purpose of being a Nazarite. And he had the long hair. Verse 6. The woman came and told her husband, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. She comes to her husband and says, An angel appeared to me today. And I forgot to ask him where he came from or what his name was. She was humiliated that she had failed to do that. Verse 7, And he said unto her, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, that is the angel talking, and now drink no wine or strong drink, and neither eat any unclean thing. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. The hair of this baby was never to be cut. So you can imagine the length of it when he became an old man. Uh, He got up in years. Verse 8. Then Manoah, the father of Samson, entreated the Lord and said, He prayed to the Lord, O my God, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, a man has appeared unto me that came unto me the other day. The same person's back. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Art thou the man that spake unto the woman? He said, I am. And Manoah said, Now... Let thy, uh, let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child? And how shall and how shall we do unto him? In other words, he was saying, we want instructions. How are we to treat him? Are we to do something different with him? How are we to raise him up? Is he to, if he's to be different, he's going to be a Nazarite from his very birth? How are we to treat him? Verse 13, the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, All that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. He doesn't realize he's talking to an angel. He's asking the man who has evidently come from God, stay, let me kill a kid goat, or a lamb, whichever, and uh, prepare it for you. And the angel said unto Manoah, though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread. If thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord. Here is the first point that I hope that we can see in this life. It is very, very tempting to honor man instead of God. We do that continually. And an angel of the Lord is standing here, though he looks like a man, and Manoah says, hang around, stay, we want to fix you a meal in your honor. And the angel says, now, if you're going to make an offering, you make it to God. Don't make it to man. If we're going to do something, let's do it to God, his honor. Let's don't heap honor upon people. And we talked about uh, leadership this morning in our Sunday school class of those who had gone off the deep end and had, had demanded that we honor them. And all through the scripture, there is the indication that, that there is not to be given extreme honor to people. If we really want to do something great, let's honor God. That's, that's where it ought to be. So he says, make a, make an offering to God. The man stayed, however, go down to verse 20, and it came to pass, got the altar going now, the animal is killed, the meat offering is being made, it's on the altar on a rock in verse 18, 19, verse 20. It came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar that the angel of the Lord ascended into flame. I think that's a beautiful statement. He disappeared from their sight in the very flame off that that was on that altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that it was an angel of the Lord. Verse 22. And Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die because we've seen God. They were in the presence of an angel from God. And Manoah didn't know it. And when he disappeared... To see God, no man has seen God and lived. the scripture says, and he knew that. We don't die, we've seen God. But no, that did not happen. Well, let's go on to chapter 14. Here I'm not going to read so much, but I want, to, I want to tell you about the life of Samson. Samson's growing now, he's become a man. Remember, he's never had a razor to his head, his hair is long, because he... He is a Nazarite and has vowed to keep himself pure and clean and serve God his entire life. Well, the Philistines are in charge of the country. And Samson goes down uh, to Timnath, a town of the Philistines, and he sees a beautiful girl, a Philistine. He comes back home and says to his father, Father, I want you to get me that girl. I want to marry her. His father tries to talk him out of it. He wouldn't be talked out of it. In the latter portion of verse 3, he says, get her for me, for she pleases me well. Well, arrangements are now being made for Samson to get that Philistine girl as a wife. Verse 4, his father... Uh, And mother did not know that this process of getting Samson married to a Philistine had anything to do with God's plan. They didn't know that, but God is beginning to work here. There's a little confusion in verse 5 that I'll not deal with. It, It looks like Samson, his mother and father, all three went down to Timnath. But we quickly see that the mother and father didn't know anything about what happened on the way to Timnath. But on the way to Timnath... In the latter portion of verse 5, a lion comes roaring out. Samson just simply grabs that lion his bare hands and kills him. No big deal to Samson. What would you have done? Like I would have done. I would have been heading for a higher ground. He just kills it. Goes on, goes down to Timnath. And on his way back, he went down to see this girl. On his way back, Here's the carcass of the lion laying beside the road and he discovers that there's a swarm of bees in it and they've already made honey and he takes some of the honey out of the carcass and takes it home with him, and gives his mother and dad. Well, they begin to make the feast down about verse 10. The father went down to talk to the woman about her marrying his son and Samson made a feast in honor of the pending wedding. They are now of the New Testament betrothal of a year's time in which they are married but do not live together. And so this is what is now beginning to happen. And uh, a lot of the Philistines came with the young girl and her father to this fine feast that he made. There were 30 young men about the same age as Samson and his young wife to be. And they were there and uh, they were feeling uh, good and So Samson proposes that he's going to give them a riddle, and if they can answer the riddle, he'll give them, verse 12 says, 30 sheets, that uh, in our terminology is shirts. He will give them 30 shirts and 30 changes of of other garments, uh, and if they cannot answer him, then they are to give him these garments in exchange. So they thought that's a pretty good deal. So he, in verse 14, he tells them what the riddle is. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. Referring to the lion he killed with the honey that was in it. Well, they couldn't figure that out. And so they go to this young bride-to-be, and they say to her, you better find out what the answer is. If you don't, we're going to burn your house down. Scared the girl to death. And so she goes to Samson and begins to weep and, and say, now, you haven't told me what the riddle is? Why don't you tell me? If you love me like you say you love me, you tell me the meaning of it. Well, it went on for seven days. She groaned and moaned and wept and pleaded with him, and she wore him down. You know, any woman with tears can wear a man down. And so, she did it. And he said, I'll I'll tell you. So he told her. So the men knew the answer. Down along about verse 18, they explained the answer and made Samson mad. And so he had to give them all these garments. So what did he do? He just went out and killed 30 Philistines and took the clothes off of them and brought them and gave to the guy. He said, all right, here they are. That's the kind of a fellow that he that he was. And he got mad and went home and left his wife in Timnath. Went back to mommy and daddy. Well after a while he began to remember that he left a pretty good looking girl down there in Timnath and so he thought he'd go back. He did go back. Verse 20 of the 14th chapter says, however, he didn't have a wife and he got there because her daddy thought that he didn't want her and he gave her to somebody else. Well, that made Samson mad again. He didn't have his beautiful girl. She'd been given to somebody else. So what he do? He went out and caught, down first verse 4 of the 15th chapter, 300 foxes. And he tied their tails together and he put a a firebrand, that is a stick with fire on it, in the middle of their tails and turn them loose in the cornfields.
0: Burned up all their corn,
1: their wheat. Can you imagine what 300 foxes would do with with, with tails tied together and fire in the middle, going down through a cornfield? Well, the Christians didn't like that too well either. and They said, who did this? And that guy that was engaged to a girl, this time they did what they threatened to do. They did come and burn her dad's house down. Wow, well, things are getting hot. The Philistines and the Hebrew people are just about to get to war. And the Hebrews know that they're not going to win. So 3,000 of the Jewish people got together and they said, we're going to have to have a talk with Samson. They found him out in the desert and 3,000 of them went out there and, and Samson said, what are you out here for? And they said, we're out here because we're going to capture you and we're going to turn you over to Philistines. We're going to stop this nonsense. And Samson said, well now, all right, but just don't you hurt me. You promise you won't hurt me? Yeah, we promise we won't do a thing. we not kill you. All we're going to do is tie you up and we're going to turn you over as, as a captive to the Philistines. So Samson said, All right, I'll, I'll agree with that. Just don't you guys hurt me. So they tied him in ropes, took him to turn him over to the Philistines. When he got in the middle of the Philistines, he just flexed those old muscles and those ropes. Broke off. He wasn't tied and he knew it. Laying there along the side of the road was a, a dead donkey. Just the bones. He grabbed the jawbone over in verse 15 on the 15th chapter, one of that, that old donkey. And he started in on the Philistines, and he killed a thousand of them before he got down. like to have him as next door neighbor? Chapter 16. He goes to Gaza and goes to a house of prostitution. The listens have been watching him, but I don't know what they're going to do with him. And so they say, we're going to gang up on him. Now, he'll be in there all night. So first thing in the morning, we're going to be laying for him when he comes out. Except about midnight that night, Samson gets up leaves the house of prostitution, goes to the gates of the city, picks up the pillars and the gates all on his shoulders and carries them out and sets the whole thing up on the hilltop. Moves on. So far he's done fine. But he has his downfalling when he meets another girl. Verse 4, chapter 16. He fell head over heels in love with a girl by the name of Delilah. Have you seen the movie Samson and Delilah? This is Delilah. My, he was a fine, handsome fellow. She was a beautiful girl, and they fall in love. And the Philistine leaders come to Delilah, and they say to her, we want you to find out what makes that man so strong. What's his secret? And if you do, each one of us will pay you 1,100 pieces of silver. That sounded too good to pass up. So Delilah says to Samson, Samson, why don't you tell me where your strength lies? Why are you such a mighty man? And Samson lies through his teeth. He says, well, I tell you, if you would bind me with seven green whiffs, you know those that come off the willow tree that daddies use on bare legs, if you bind me with some of those green whiffs that never dried, I'll be just as weak as anybody else. So she does that, and then she cries, you know, he's. And she cries out, Samson the Philistines upon me. And of course, he just gets up and breaks the wrist and, and tears into the Philistines. Then she comes back and says, Now, now you mock me. You're just making fun of me. Now come on, really, wherein lies your strength? And he said to verse 11, Well, I tell you, if you bind me with new ropes, that nobody has ever used before. I'll be just as weak as anybody else. Same thing happens. The Philistines are upon me, and he gets up and breaks them. Verse 13, she said, Now you mocked me again. You've told me lies. Tell me. Come on now. Really. Where is your strength? He said, Well, remember this long hair? If you will plait my hair and put it through that loom, have, and that's what it means with the web, is a loom. You, you weave it with, with your, your loom. Make locks out of it, pigtails. I'll be just as weak. So, same thing happens again. In verse 15, this time she says, uh, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thy heart is not with thee? You ever heard those words before or spoken? Here's where you he come from. It came to pass, verse 16, that she pressed him daily. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Where's your strength? She urged him and urged him. Until finally his soul was vexed into death. He was just beside himself. He couldn't stand it longer. And so finally he said, All right, I'll tell you the truth this time. I'm a Nazarite. And never has a razor touched my head. I'm I'm dedicated to God since I was born. And if my hair were cut, I would lose my strength. (coughs) Not that the strength was in his hair, but the strength was in his devotion to God. And so she has him lay his head upon her lap, and she sings him to sleep. And then she beckons somebody, that's been waiting at the sidelines. come on with the razor and the scissors and they did a good job on him while he was asleep. Poor old guy didn't know he was bombed. And she yells again, the Philistines are upon me. He rises up to start flanging into The Philistines discovered he's just as weak as an X-man. His hair was gone. So they do bind him this time. The ending of verse 20 is very important. He wished not, he did not know that the Lord was departed from him. I think sometimes we are assuming that we have God's full blessing on our lives and don't know that the way we have acted has caused God to simply just step aside. He just can't tolerate our actions. He did not know God had left him. That's where his strength was. His strength was in the Lord, not in his hair. Our strength is not in our physical capabilities, nor our mental capacities. Our strength is in the Lord. So, what did they do? They bound him, they took him to prison, they gouged out his eyes. It was a common thing they did to prisoners, and then they put him in the prison, and put him on a grinding wheel where he went around and around, pushing that arm that ground the grain. Day in and day out, he pushed that thing around. Week in and week out, month in and month out, he was the horse inside the prison that ground the grain. And his hair began to grow. Nobody paid any attention to that. Then they had a big feast. And all the people were gathered into the Colosseum. So many were gathering that there wasn't even room for them. And they said, bring out this Samson. Let's have fun out of him. And they brought him into the arena. And the house was full. And the scripture says that there was so full that 3,000 people were sitting on the roof to watch the spectacle of this mighty man that had been made so to. We ought to make sport out of it. The young boy was leading. Him. He said to the young boy, Put my hands on the pillars. The center of post to hold up his building. There he stood, one hand on one, one on the other, and he prayed. And the Twenty-eighth verse of the sixteenth chapter. O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once a venture of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold, verse twenty-nine, of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, on which it was borne up of, of the one with his right hand and the other with his left, and Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Himself and with all his might, the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein, so that the dead which he slew in his death was more than they which he slew in his life. Quite a dynamic person, but such a contrast in, in, in his characteristics. He was separated even from his mother's womb as a Nazarite, devoted to God, but he was so tempted with evil. What a contrast. Occasionally he was filled with God's Spirit, well-possessed by the Spirit, but frequently he yielded to his carnal appetites, his own personal gratification, which he had sworn even from his birth that he would never do. Thirdly, he was many times very childish. But, oh, how courageous he was at others! Particularly at his death, he was a man of mighty physical strength, but he couldn't resist the slightest temptation. What a contrast! He had a noble beginning, but such a sad end. A man dedicated by God himself from his birth to serve God all his, all his life, who didn't do it, but turned in every way but the right way. Doesn't that sound like us at times who promised God the moon and give him nothing, who say that we will serve him without fail, And then fail at every turn. Thank God our Lord is gracious and understands this. Because of it, he, his son, our sins could be forgiven.
0: Let's pray.